I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. Yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable, they're very fashionable, and I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go. Stop by your local Tacova's store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and find your new favorite pair of boots today. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Thanks for joining the Meat Eater Podcast. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada at something called Shot Show. Um, Some folks might call it Shit Show, but it's Shot Show. It's a chaotic, hectic convention dedicated to uh, all things shooting and hunting related. It's an annual thing in, in Las Vegas. It's like it's, it, it, I'm here with Giannis Putellis, Helen Cho. What's, what's wrong, Helen? <laughs> Nothing. Just looking at Ryan. Helen Cho, um, Kenton Carruth from First Light, Ryan Callahan from First Light. Someone take a stab at explaining Shot Show. After two days, I... I, I Ryan knows I, what it stands for. I know what it stands for, too. Shooting, hunting, outdoor, and trade. <laughs> you trade. can't finish? Oh, okay. it's just too much if they wouldn't let any people in and i could just go around on you know like a while ago there was a big scandal because uh oprah winfrey wanted to go into some store in paris and she had him like close the store i'm not up on my oprah no this is old i just remember hearing this she had him close (laughs) the store so she could shop privately i would like to have a day to spend it shot privately where it's just all the people who run all the booths, but no other people are allowed except me to go in and walk around and find out about what I want to find out about without anybody else being there except people who I needed, where I would push a button and the person would materialize <laughs> what? and tell me about what I want them to tell me about. That's, what I would, that's my kind of shot show. That'd be the Steve show. <laughs> but hurting down these corridors is just, it's just too much what do you think about it cal man i yeah i totally agree except for my version of shot show i wouldn't be here 
But I'd hit your button. I'd, hit, <laughs> I'd go to first light and I'd keep hitting the button until Callahan showed up there. And I'd be like, Cal, tell me about some new products. Yeah. But it obviously serves a purpose. It serves guys. a huge purpose. It does. It does. You know, there's the people are like bringing out their new stuff here. They're launching new products here. And that's pretty interesting. Um, and you get, you know, there's a lot of press folks. Like when we had the BHA cocktail hour yesterday, we had a lot of magazine editors there. And that was cool. And what were they, what were they sniffing around about? Mostly free beer. <laughs> so yeah you had a keg and a magazine editor showed up you got to do a little elbow rubbing yeah elbow rubbing and and uh we uh were getting the uh that open country award and i was gonna so, talk about that in a minute so we got you know i got a couple pats on the back and i gotta let them know that it's true we actually do, do good things so at this moment Kenton, share with us your acceptance speech. At this moment, Kenton <laughs> is carefully crafting an acceptance speech that will be awarded to First Light tonight for called the Open Country Awards. Comes from Outdoor Life magazine, right? Right. For advocating on behalf of not just advocating, acting on behalf of advocating on behalf of being a defender of public lands and public access. Yep, yep. We, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, um, I got to give Brian credit, we uh, we basically did a similar thing to what Midway does with the NRA, and it is, we had a, we call it Roundup for Conservation. So when a guy buys something, he can uh, either round up the next dollar or donate, you know, five, how much ever he wants, basically. I, I think we'd have stipulate five, ten, and hundred, but um, to a certain extent. Um, and then he can uh, either pick whether he wants to give it to the uh, the TRCP, which is the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, or he can give it to the Backcountry Hunters and Angler, Pheasants Forever, um, or all of the above. Um, so, uh, you know, we're a small company, but, you know, every little bit helps, and it's kind of built into our company's kind of ethos that, I mean, if we didn't have public lands, we wouldn't have a business. So you kind of got to... You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's important. You know, I mean, because most of you guys' customers are like fast open, open land mountain hunters. Yeah. yeah, even the guys I think that are back east a lot are, are are guys that are you know hunting. You know, it's not quite so prevalent there, but you know they try to maybe separate themselves a little bit from the absolute you know densest hunting populations, and certainly and so in the west. We have talked about like that. Uh like scenario where if everything's leased up and chunked up and it's hunting clubs everywhere and public land is not like a viable option for actually harvesting game that like how technical of hunting apparel do you need? Yeah. Like if everybody's sitting in a heated box blind, right. You know, we wouldn't exist. It's kind of like, uh, it's very apropos today to be getting this award right now and that they're giving out the award right now about conservation of public lands because I think public lands are something people don't even really think about. But then over the last few weeks, we've been dealing with these Oregon dick shines who are... Well put. Coming out. I mean, they're not even Oregon. Uh, just these dick shines in Oregon who are coming out and, and saying that 
the best thing to do with our nation's public lands is let them have unfettered, unpaid grazing access on those lands. As though it's like, I don't think the public should own it. I just think that I should be able to do it for what I want to use it for because it's here. And so am I. I wonder kind what of. they would say if I rolled in with a trailer with just like, you know, 50 head. And said, well, boys, I'm going to graze yeah, my cattle here, good too. Idea. No, it'd <laughs> yeah. be great. You know? Good idea, son. Matter of fact, I'm going to set up a grazing operation here as well. Yeah. What I'm going to do now, now that it's become clear that it is that there's absolutely no problem from a law enforcement perspective for you to commandeer federal property, I'm going to go in. It's like, I'm going to go take Mammoth Hot Springs. And I'm going to be like, you know what, dude? I should be able to hunt here in Yellowstone. I don't want all these other people in here at Yellowstone. I've been eyeballing this place for a long time. People used to be able to hunt here prior to 1877 or even later than that. So it's back to the way I want it. I got a gun. If you come near Mammoth Hot Spring, I'm going to shoot you. I'm building a hunting cabin. I'm hunting it, bitch, because <laughs> this is just my shit, and I got a gun. Putting a couple like, of pipes in this hot spring? Why? Yeah, no. It's like, why ha- Like, why not? Because law enforcement doesn't care. Matter of fact, I'll be driving around. I'd, I'd be down here at SHOT Show in my Yellowstone National Park truck. Right, Because yeah. they drive around and come and go in federal vehicles. Right. And it's A-OK. Dude, if it was any other kind of mug, they would have shot him up. And then the really funny thing is, like, here in Shot Show, you go to the law enforcement department. All it is is all kinds of equipment for enforcing law. Law enforcement. So it's like every kind of thing you need to kill every kind of crook and defend every kind of property is all here. And it's like, why not let's round up a bunch of this shit and go enforce some laws in Oregon? No one cares. It is so painful. We've discussed this at length at the first light office while we should be doing other things more specific to first light i I, they care and they should be enforcing it i think they're taking a very tactful approach that i do not understand i I would prefer they go in and kick the doors down yeah you don't want to be like ruby ridge you don't want to wake up you can't have being the one of these guys is in there making some coffee on the government coffee pot, and all of a sudden his brains are splattered all over the inside because some guy shot him through a window. Agreed. But they're leaving town and going to all these kind of activities and grocery shopping. One of them was at some public comment period with a bunch of uh, law enforcement officials, and he drove back to the thing. Yes. Yeah, when's enough enough? Have you even seen any of the packages I sent them? Yeah, I like it. The dildos? Yeah, it's funny. Have you guys sent them anything on behalf of First Light? I... I don't know what we'd send them. I wanted to jump on the bandwagon in a bad way, but when it's not your original idea, mm. yeah. You know, I got a buddy who was saying that um, he hopes that pretty soon they'll be spending some time in another federal facility, <laughs> but the only problems will be paying for them there, too. Yeah, true. Probably, yeah, like right now we're paying their heat. Yeah, it's there's cheaper to be law enforcement, now. you know, because um, there's so many different agencies right there, but, you know, the Forest Service cops are at the Forest Service building, which is shut down. And they're watching out and making sure, you know, nothing gets screwed up with there. And we're all, we are paying for an insane amount of overtime. The This is all actually just a diversionary tactic from when me and Yanni take Mammoth. Right, I like it. When we I take like Yellowstone, dude, north entrance. 
It's yeah. like they're gonna, everybody's <laughs> watching Oregon and Austin Mignotti going to the Yellowstone, guns yeah. drawn, guns blazing. That's right. How like, damn it, we're taking this back and hunting it. Guns blazing and clothing optional. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. It's like I don't want to talk about this all day, but it's so ridiculous and so anti-American. And the fact that these guys can somehow cloak themselves in the flag. Mm. You know, it'd be like if I went in, I'd get like a Ryan Callahan shirt. Like I get like a Ryan Callahan shirt with Ryan's picture on it and stars all over it. And I go in and burn your fucking house down. And you'd be like, <laughs> oh, but you know what? He says he's doing it for Ryan Callahan. So I must be confused. I must mistakenly think that this is somehow an aggression against me because he says it's for me. So like, <laughs> we're doing this for America. It's like, what aspect of America? Yeah. Your private livestock business? It has nothing to do with patriotism. has nothing to do with the United States of America. It's just like unbridled greed and a complete disregard for historical perspective and no fucking idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Have you ever duck hunted there? No. Are you Cal? No. Supposedly it's pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just absurd. I, it, and the fact that people yeah, keep giving terrible. these guys like a platform to talk about, oh, putting the land back to use. For who? You? Yeah, why are they right now it's working for like, it's working for the nation. It's working for, you know, our like common wildlife heritage, our common access heritage. It's providing, like, you, you can't, I don't care what kind of denomination you come from, what set of devotion you come from. We need to have Habitat and protective measures for American wildlife. One of the ways we do that is through the refuge system, particularly of wetlands. If you think it's somehow, I don't care, like where are you coming at it from, religion or some kind of pagan perspective or some kind of atheist perspective, it is just simply wrong to abuse wildlife. You have to have a place for wildlife and a place for wildlife habitat. And the fact you'd act like a wildlife refuge is somehow this pointless land being like not used it's being used for probably the best thing it could be used for. Plus, it's open to the public. They need to hunt the refuge system. They obviously, the fact that they went out under the guise of protesting to get these two ranchers out of prison. Whose families didn't even want them to do it. And they're poachers. I mean, they're poachers. They're burning the, the field to cover up evidence of poaching. That's the other thing. Is these guys before went and like went out and burned your lands. So burn federal lands as, you know, and then back off federal agents with firearms, nothing comes of it. Like, what kind of message does it send that you can just bully, like, our institutional enforcement measures? It's like, oh, yeah, patriotism, patriotism. However, you people who abide by the law have you follow electoral politics, try to engage in civic duties, and we've put together a constitution, we've put together a way that we enforce laws in a way that we have a representative government, right, that you can address and have legislation and initiatives to change things you don't want. You know, we don't like any of that. We're so patriotic, we can't stand constitutional government. That's how patriot. it's like, at what point are they going to be called out for people who are like un-American, anti-American? Yeah. Helen? I don't even want to talk you, about how that. How do you really feel, Steve? <laughs> You're going to get a lot of people fired up. And I'm I don't feel care. Like, fired no, up about good. what? No, oh. like in a positive way, like about what's going on here. Because I think a lot of people are a little complacent. They're just kind of like watching on the news and they're kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, Dick Shines in Oregon. Like, they ain't bothering what I'm doing right here in my world. You know? Dude, Almost, I would invite we need, like, we need, anyone. We need like a call to action. I would I invite anyone who's curious about this issue to go read about the environmental history in that area. And study up on what it was like under the cattle barons, 
study up on what it was like when it was decimated by drought and overgrazing and no one was doing shit there. It's more complicated than just that there was this long, glorious heyday of unfettered land use, and all of a sudden now they're fighting over things or arguing over things or wanting to take claim for or wanting to seize access to things that exist because of the level of federal protection it has. People had to work so hard to get that protected in all people. So many people had to come together and be like, okay, we really messed this stuff up. We're going to take some measures, protect this stuff. The feds have made concessions to local ranchers. The existing size of the refuge is actually smaller than when it was established. So it, it ha- it's like this beautiful example of the process working, not the process not working. Like it's totally, it's a bipartisan, beautiful thing, and these guys are totally using it as an example of God knows what greed is what I come. Well, yeah. If there's to. so much public support for where they're coming from, then why don't they, you know, take political measures to, to fix it the same way anybody does anything. I don't want to keep talking about it all day, but crying out loud. Anyhow, <laughs> first lights getting this big award. <laughs> Ken doesn't know what he's going to say. <laughs> Ken, just right now, real quick, act like you're up there. So I'm like, and the award goes to first light. Okay. Kenton stands up. The crowd goes wild. Kenton stands up and says, uh, "I'd mostly like to thank Andrew McKean and uh, and Outdoor Life Magazine for you know paying attention to that. This is a big cause, you know. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that that don't want vast amounts of public land. They'd rather use it for their kind of own personal and potentially ill-gotten gains. And and and." You know, for the greater population, it would it, it gets taken away. So you know, these guys are up there, them and and, and you know, the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership and Backcountry Unders and Anglers, and they're these groups that are fighting and they're fighting hard to keep lands public. So people that you know might not have you know fifty thousand dollars to go to Africa or to do these you know crazy private hunts can have these amazing public experiences well within their means you know and and from a selfish point of view i that's what i love to do and that's what my company makes clothes for people to do to be able to be able to go out and you know brave the elements and spend time out in the woods so um it's a it's an issue close to my heart it's what i like to do i like to go out in the woods and in wintertime, whether it be, you know, skiing or snowboarding in the backcountry or whether it be hunting on public lands, you know, that's how I spend a shitload of time. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. 
Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day, and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. That was perfect. You filled up your time slot perfectly right. well. <laughs> just remember that. I just re- we should thank God we recorded it. I'm just gonna play it. <laughs> you just stand up there and be like, Ken couldn't be here today. Go up there with one of those tape decks, like when you uh, like in the old days at a wedding, they'd set out like a CD player and hit yeah. play. Yeah, you can say Kenton is under the pupit having mild to moderate anxiety, but in this place, I'll play this right here. I just like to keep. <laughs> to keep going on, I just to, I do have a couple more things to say. The issue, like I was talking to my brother about the public lands issue. He's like, I just don't understand when someone goes by, you know, like they go by to say like the Gallant Mountains. So like there it is, national forest, open for everybody to go to, protected in perpetuity. Is he like, are they driving by a, 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 an adversary to public lands, an adversary of, of federal public lands? Do they, do they drive by and look at it, like what do they see? Like he's like. Are they like, I'll only be happy when that's a resort. I'll only be happy when that's developed from the valley floor to the peak. That's my vision. Like, I don't understand, like, what is the motivating factor 
I understand what it is. It's like economic. But like, what is the motivating factor? Like, why can't you just look at that and be like, thank God, because we are at no risk of running out of developed areas, but we are at tremendous risk of running out of non-developed areas. I think one of the big problems is that they've never looked at it. They look at it all the time. Who? You think uh, constantly there's, there's, there's adversaries? to the public land movement and then staying public land that are driving by those mountains, looking at them, thinking that. No, they're I just not thinking even, that, but they're seeing it. But I don't think they're there. This, the, the movement against uh, public lands is, is in, in, in a lot of ways, is the native movement. Okay. I, I agree with all fronts, but I think that the, the, that the way it kind of plays out is a little different. I think how it plays out is the state gets in a bind. They owe a ton of money somewhere, right? Yeah. And then, uh, well, first of all, the federal government says, okay, you control this state. So they give it to the state. That's a whole other argument, right? But then the state gets into a bind and they're like, I don't know how you know, we're going to get out of this. We're, we're broke as shit. And they think, oh, I know we can sell that place. Then all of a sudden, you know, that's kind of the slippery slope. And no, that, that's how that. it's going to shake out in the long that's – like, that's, that's the version of events of how this becomes trouble. States aren't going to allow the level of access, public access – Right. And that they're gonna that they have the right to and will you know lessen protections or sell. But what, then what I'm talking about is then all of a sudden that is what people all of a sudden the dollar signs start going off. Like I don't necessarily people think they drive by the you know crazy the Gallatins or anything you know any place and say I want to develop that. Basically, what happens is that there's a couple things that happen and all of a sudden it gets to where this you know some developers you know, whoever. Believe they can profit off of it. All of a sudden, then they start to see it. But I don't necessarily think that You're they're. It's going to start a. I got to get that before the next guy does. Yeah, so somebody else is going to get it. But I and, and I and I think that once they smell blood, then they go after it. But that's not necessarily so much. So yeah, that you hate an open mountainside. Yeah, or not even open like like scratch. But I keep I keep making this like mountain centric. It's not mountain centric. Well, in in Oregon, we're not talking about mountains. We're talking that's about right. wetlands. Right. That scrubby little mixed grass chunk of. Prairie out there. Yep, it's right on the edge of a shit, development. Anyway, shit ground. Doing yeah, nothing doesn't do anything. Ain't making me any money. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Uh, so you know, it's. I think it just and it gets just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. You know, and and it's a battle. There's there just there's forces that want that for themselves. Helen, you do a lot of exercising in Central Park, right? You said you, that's where you're riding your bike for get ready for yeah. your elk hunt. Too bad the feds don't open. You can apparently just go in there and take it. Yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd take be Central, sweet. Central Park, right? Great lawn. There's a terribly awesome, terribly bad movie which made it really good about taking Central Park. Oh, I can't remember what? I think it was called Taking Central Park. Just showing it. <laughs> Show you been keeping quiet. I don't quiet. bike in there anymore, though. Tell, t- Joe, tell me, some, tell me some stuff that. Uh, Tell me some stuff I don't know about. Oh, I wanted to ask you a question, actually. Um, have you eaten all of your deer? Have, have I eaten all my deer? No. I actually just bought a chest freezer. Nice. So, yeah. So have you eaten much of your deer? Mm-hmm. A lot of it. But it's. I don't know when the next opportunity I'll have to go hunting, so I'm kind of... Milking her. Well, I've been just kind of savor Like, I've been eating more fish of our fish than our, you know, deer. I told you, come out in the spring, we'll do uh, morels and turkeys. Calm yeah, that would be that would go. be amazing. Now, Helen, let me ask you about this. We we were deer hunting in, in southwest Wisconsin, in an area that's known as the CWD zone, and it's an area where there's been a a, you know, a a number of 
high-profile cases of chronic wasting disease in that area. For a long time, the state of Wisconsin thought that they were going to kind of shoot their way out of the problem by radically reducing herd densities in southwest Wisconsin. It was like, basically, it was like always deer season, unlimited tags. It was just, then they kind of regrouped, and now it seems the strategy is to learn to live with CWD, monitor it, see where it goes. Um, CWD, chronic waste disease, is, of course, the deer and elk version of mad cow or, uh, you know, scrapey and sheep. And um, we brought our deer in for testing. Did you wait to get the results from your deer before you started eating your deer? No. So what happened was apparently we cut it too short, so he couldn't test my deer. Also, one didn't get tested. They didn't have the glands on it. Yeah, exactly. So I ate it. What are the symptoms of CWD? <laughs> well, you get a your your brain starts to look like Swiss cheese, but it's never no no humans ever got CWD. Uh, Crutzfield Jacobs is the human equivalent. Yeah. No, I start. I mean, we ate it's it never there. Jumped. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's okay. So there's a number of things that they they talk about with CWD is the it's the prions you hear called prions and prions are concentrated in the spinal column and in the brain. Um, Kenton just immediately clicked over to sci-fi. <laughs> He's like, ooh, <laughs> prions. Um, it manifests itself in a more stressed, you're more stressed all the time. That's the Yeah, you haven't been feeling like stressed by any chance, have you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. And a lot of people, when it's real severe, they like wind up for weird reason in Las Vegas. <laughs> so if you're like feeling stressful in Las Vegas. Start seeing lots of people. Yeah, it yeah. could be. So what they advise, like, well, here's, it's such a complicated picture with, with CWD. No person, no known person, like there's no, there's no known case of transmission from deer or elk to humans. Hmm. But some people think it's a matter of time. Some people think it just, if it was going to happen, it would have happened. Really hard to say. When a deer gets it, it's invariably fatal. Like how soon? I mean, how quickly does it happen? It could take a year or two, but you will die. Great. No, not you. <laughs> a deer that gets it, it, it's a fatal thing. It's Got just it. not instantaneous. They like they they go along, go along. It seems like nothing's wrong with them, and then they begin to ha- they begin to collapse. How's it transmitted? That I don't know, but it has to do with pro- close proximity to the animals. Yeah, does, it move, does it move through? Does it move through insects? Someone looked this up because we're like, sound like some real dumbasses for not knowing how deer and elk train. No, no it's, it's nose to nose. It's like a. It's uh, mucus, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how it jumps from high fence operations, game farms and stuff. Because wild animals inevitably wind up rubbing noses through the fence. Imagine that Bambi scene. Huh? You know, I had never seen Bambi, actually. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I've never seen Bambi. So you never got the result. I got the results no. of mine. Now, John I got his result. Which was. Negative. Yeah, Doug's never Doug Duran's never had a CWD. Not not anything he's doing, but he's never had a CWD deer. Yeah, to his knowledge, come off his property. I waited, but this is the first deer that I've ever eaten off Doug's place that I had tested. I waited to get the test results because I have young kids. Now, I'm not worried about. Not that I'm not worried about them. The thing, the main thing I live in fear of, it might, no, I'm worried about, but here's the thing. The main thing I live some in fear of. Some make it, some don't, Helen. <laughs> no, let me just scrap all that back. I just forget I said all that. I want to re, I want to be, begin anew. 
the main thing I live in fear of is my wife's wrath. Okay, uh, like nothing. Fear. She's kind of scare, a Nothing scares me like my wife's wrath. Were I to come home with my deer, well, first, were I to get a deer, and I got two does, and I submit the heads for testing, so there's results pending. Then I would come home, and we'd eat said deer. Then I would get the results, and I would say, oh, by the way, the deer we've been eating, turns out it's negative for mad cow disease. It's a no-win situation. It would be my balls. (laughs) Did she listen to our podcast? No. That's not good news. So, if I was to say, say, oh, the deer we've been eating, turns out it has chronic wasting disease, the the upside is there's never been a person known to get it lose <laughs> i could have not brought the head in i could have done the whole thing secrety but the problem is when i try to do stuff secrety it doesn't work and i get caught <laughs> so it's like i try to every day wake up and have it be that um i like wake up like my goal is to not be divorced Jeez, steve you live in a constant state of fear no no i just live in a constant state of reality <laughs> It's like I am committed to staying married and reducing friction. And friction is feeding the kids meat that turns out is CWD infected. That would be major friction because major friction. I've only just recently got back to right to eat black bear meat after getting trichinosis. Right. <laughs> Why? We had a moratorium on black bear consumption that took me forever to get out of. Do you know that Kenton, and I've seen this firsthand, cannot just openly say oh i saw a bunch of elk today or deer and i passed them up oh that is because she'll be mad yes she yes. wants them in the home fridge that she wants them dead and the, on the plate yeah <laughs> and when i say you know, she's like she's not interested in the whole shopping around for big oh bowls. no not at all and when i my buddy asked me like how'd it go i i, I have to be a little bit <laughs> untruthful and say i was terrible Mm. when in reality wow. it could have been really yeah, good you know what but. my wife says because it'll be like especially bow hunters you know you like, could be like day 20 and you're just like man i'm tired but you know i'm pounding i'm getting getting it done and my wife's always encouraged me to get out there and get after it. and i'll be like but you know like think about all the memories i've made in the last 20 days and she'll say you know what you can't eat memories <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly you produce mr patelis yeah yeah. Did your uh did you guys have any kind of blowback about eating bear meat? Serving it to the kids and stuff? No. One day the first time I did it after that I made uh like meat candy, you know. My kids were just hosing it and uh <laughs> my wife was trying to like she got she could like, What is this anyways? I'm like, Oh, it's you know, <laughs> you know casual. Yeah. She got mad for a minute, but the kids are just like shoveling it into their mouths. I'm like, any damage is done is done now. Man. Yeah. Just, like, just wait and see now because Rosie just ate a half pound of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> chest freezer is a good source of anxiety. That's like my anxiety is when you go to that chest freezer and flip it open and it's like at the one third mark, one third full. Yeah. That's when I start. Yeah. We need to get stamps at the office, too. I think there's a lot more meat sharing going on. 
uh, I think sharing what would that be mean? the positive yeah. way of looking at it. We have some kind of communal freezers. Oh, you got a lot of meat theft? We have that wow. at, at ZPZ West and Bozeman, too. And my, my stuff is in boxes, duct tape, shut. Every package has my name, like where the animal <laughs> was killed, dates. And then I noticed someone else deposited a bunch of meat. No, n- nothing on the wrapper at all. I'm like thinking, well, maybe they're going like the just by anonymity. They're yeah. hoping that people will be like, ah, don't know what that is. Yeah. Or I'm like, you're just being an idiot. Because people are going to be like, oh, well, this is obviously just communal. You should just <laughs> cut your box open and slip a little more in there. Wait, so what did you guys do with the rest of the bear that had trichinosis? You put it in the communal for just reason. Oh, <laughs> trichinosis. No. You cook it for a bunch of people. No, I smoked it. No, here's the thing. This is a funny story because my brother. Um, you texted me or something. You're like, yeah, yeah I guess so. My brother was getting married, and he did the. You know, he have a rehearsal dinner. So they had a rehearsal dinner <laughs> oh for seventy five. So he gets all he gets me and all our like a bunch of our buddies together, and we're all going to contribute wild game dishes. And we did do this. We did a rehearsal dinner for seventy five people, and it was a dozen courses of wild game. Wow! But because like everybody just gets little tastes, you know. So like Danny made uh, he made uh, he took moose brisket. And made pastrami, so he did these little open-faced Rubens. Okay, um, that was like one dish. I thought we had like pickled pike on down the line, and I had been saying, "Yeah, man, I'm bringing in." And before we even had the damn bear, I'm talking about, "Yeah, I'm bringing in uh, smoked bear ham." So I get the bear, and before I realized it got sick, I like smoked this big bear ham, and and um, then later I, you know, got sick, and I was telling Matt, and he's like, man, don't be telling people about that, because when they eat it, they won't want to eat any of the food. And I said, well, I can't not tell him. He goes, you're not telling him? Don't tell him that. <laughs> he goes, it's cooked now, right? Like, it's totally safe. I'm like, yeah, but I still, I feel an obligation. He said, if you're going to tell him, don't even bring it. Hmm. He goes, I think you bring it and don't tell, but don't bring it and then tell, because then they'll think that something's wrong with it. Hey, it's his wedding, you know. You know, bear is good, but you've got to, I mean, that it's like 98% of the bears have, uh, this is, I don't know, but tons of, it's a huge percentage of bears that have trichinosis. So you just treat them, you huge treat percentage of cases of trichinosis. 98% they say, but the fact is. Oh, um, you're, you're, come you're, from bears. Come from bears. Yeah. Not that but now I say this, so in, there's two counties in Montana, Lincoln County and Sanders County, 100% of the bears over six years of age that are tested in Lincoln County and Sanders County. This is old information from when I first had my first bear came back positive. 100% of the bears that had hit six years of age had contracted it in those two counties. I think it's like, I think it's rampant. I think that. Me too. And yeah, and all, and 90 some percent of the cases that humans get are getting it from bear meat. But I, when I got it, I, I was registered by the CDC as being in King County, Washington state. And that was in whatever the hell year, 2014 or 2015. The previous guy to get it in all of King County was the guy that got it in 2007 from Mountain Lion. Oh, interesting. But well, most cases are from bear. But it dies at, what, 160 Fahrenheit or something? 165. Yeah, you don't have to, like, ruin your meat. You just got to no, get to 165. You just got to cook it, man. That's right. We're back to eating it. Like, yeah. we're back up and running. And I'll tell you one thing I'm <laughs> done with is I'm done getting the sons of bitches tested. Yeah, we'll just what? get it to 165. Because I'm not going to. What am I going to do? Let's say they come back and says negative. Is it really expensive it to get it tested? No, I never paid a dime for it. It's free. 
You know how much that bear that we got sick from with the had eight hundred and sixty eight larvae per gram. I know you sent me that photo. It's so gross. That's like the taste of it. Like almost four four hundred thousand larvae per pound. Oh my god! Which tells you two things. One of some dinky larvas. <laughs> dinky larvae. Because you didn't get the impression that you were just eating, eating larvae. Larva. Right. You feel like oh. that you now have eight hundred and sixty six. I hope more protein. I can tell you where it all is, man. Yeah, it's like, I can tell you where it is from the pain. prepping for the zombie apocalypse. From the parts that were painful. Damn. Yeah. And you had like pain, Yanni, back of your neck, your calves. Yeah, it was mostly uh, back and uh, legs and then like biceps, triceps area. What's interesting is when you used to be able to get it tested for free um, at the university in Bozeman. You would send in. They wanted a golf ball sized piece of the tongue. No, not my tongue. <laughs> no, not, not your worth. tongue. Not worth it. Yeah, it's like one of these days I won't be able to talk anymore. I'll be like, no, I wanted to find out if I had a trick, bro. I have to write it out. i be like, I sent one. Uh, I sent a golf ball sized hunk of my tongue into the university. I'll grow it back. Uh, All right. So yeah, I, I want to make a little point here. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere or not, but. People are always like, can't believe that we're still eating bear meat because of chicken. Your phone while you're talking. I was doing a little bit of uh, research oh. here, but it's like salmonella, which you can get from pretty much all raw fowl, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody eats chicken. Most Americans are eating chicken at home. You have not raw ch- chicken. Not raw chicken. You pretty much well, some are now, a small percentage, but. You have to treat that almost like bear meat. Now, obviously, I think that the 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 symptoms sound what I'm just reading here sounds oh he's doing research a, as bad as what we went through with the trichinosis. You know, like you're gonna it's basically a very severe fever, and you're going to go and get it diagnosed by a doctor to have have them say yes, you have salmonella. And it's probably in very rare cases fatal. Yes, exactly. Young, old, or whatever. Now, anybody that has salmonella is then not living with salmonella for the next five to ten years like we are but that doesn't matter because you don't feel it and you no. can't recontract it i know so i just want people to think about that it's like when you have chicken raw chicken in your house you're kind of dealing with a, a very similar product that has to be treated similar to might, as well be, might as well be a bear hunter i agree i mean it's 160 it's like it's not that Dude, it was so listen salmonella 65. is 167 167 so 165 we sorry, but... got sick for being just downright stupid and we knew we were being stupid while we were being stupid. We were being hasty. Hasty. And commenting and joking about how we oh, were going to catch the sickness. <laughs> we're like, yeah, you can really get sick off this. Yeah, I'll eat some more. It was like, <laughs> it's just, I'm so glad it happened because it just gave me, you know, it just gives me more things to think about and made me learn about it, a lot of new stuff. And it's just not that bad of a sickness. If you knew, it'd be even better. But it's like you get a little worried because the word sounds weird. And you got worms. Mm-hmm. And that's unnerving to have worms. I thought you guys said it was like god-awful painful, I thought. Yeah, but not for that long. It's, it's like you're sick for a week. <laughs> it's like in retrospect. It was you're cool sick for a week. And if I had known, here's the thing. You're sick for a week. If I had known, like when you get a cold, it sucks. Now imagine you got a cold, but you'd never had one in your whole entire life. And all of a sudden, there's shit running, like snots coming out of your nose. You had no one to ask about because you never knew anyone that had one before. 
how upsetting it would be. Like, I can't understand. There's all this fluid draining out of my head. My ears ringing funny. Um, I get these, like, weird body chills. Sneezing. Yeah. You'd be like, I must be dying. You call around. People are like, that's never happened to me. Right? (laughs) Then, the next time you get it, like, yeah, it's weird. I have, like, all this, like, mucus draining out of my face, which is unusual. But I've been through this before. It goes away. So, if I got it again now, I'd just hang tight. I don't think I would miss work. Wait, how? Wait, did, so you, do you have to take medicine or you just. What's, very expensive. Yes and no. <laughs> I took a lot of ibuprofen and I took some very expensive deworming pills. And I was the only one that took the expensive deworming pills and we all got better the same day. Interesting. We were all sick about. Yeah, there's basically no evidence to say whether those steroids, those deworming pills, how'd you take them? It was pills? Oral. Shot. Oral. If you had ate bear meat and then the next day we're like, uh oh. Yeah. Like, let's say you got all drunk or something, and you were well, eating carpaccio. And the next day, you're like, what did I do? That's when you take the deworming pills. Yeah, well, what I heard is right. that if you, ha- if you eat a large, if you consume a large enough amount, then you will actually feel the gastrointestinal pain, which is the party that the worms are having in your stomach, which then you could go to the doctor and be like, something's wrong. They might be able to catch it. You take the oral steroids, it kills it. But because we all ate, you know, maybe an ounce of meat that day that got us sick. None of us had symptoms for 30 days. So they had to like build up a strong fortress before they really. It's when they start, they get into your vascular. After they make love and have babies, they get into your vascular system and then they start burrowing into your muscle tissue. And that's when you start feeling sick. Jeez, it's like a science fiction. <laughs> no, man. Here's the thing though. More cell. You have more bacteria in your body by magnitudes of, of, of hundreds than you do actual cells. Kenton is more other shit than he is Kenton. I'm pretty clean. <laughs> yeah. I wash my I hands just, a lot. <laughs> you know when you're eating, uh, you're eating like bluegills or perch and they got little black specks on the flays? Nope. I mean, I ate hundreds of them. I only late in life, only late in life did someone point out to me that that's larva. Uh, you ever open a halibut up? I have, and I've taken plenty of grouse apart and had them just like, oh, man, worms everywhere. And yeah. They still got eaten. So. Oh, you want to hear a worm? Can we tell them about our yeah. latest worm? This is this is upsetting. All right. I shot a coos deer buck last week. In, in old Mexico. In old Mexico. And we lopped off his head. You know how you hit the little spot right there where you have those two lobes, and it's real easy just with a knife. You can you know, take his head off. The frame and magnum. Is that what that is? Yeah, damn straight. Which, what's the spinal uh, cord part called? And which one is the But that's the the part skull. of the skull. I might be pronouncing it wrong because I've only ever seen it written. I've never heard anybody say it. But that part of the skull is the frame and magnum. Like the... Oh, okay. That the little smooth... Lobes. Yeah. With the whole... Like that little portion. Yeah. I'm not sure. I should look up how to pronounce Did it. Did you cape it out or are you just... We're taking the head apart. Just the head. No, we left the cape. Right. They're covered in ticks. It takes hours and hours to get the ticks off. Because you can't bring it back into the U.S. Uh, and plus, you know, it's okay. like... They go through it with a fine-tooth comb. But anyways, if you can imagine that head coming off, you look at that like spinal cord area, and then below that, you kind of have the, the back end or the bottom end of the nasal slash mouth cavity. And in there are maybe a dozen... The smallest being the size of like a, uh, what are the little worms used for ice fishing? Yeah, wax worm. Little wax worm. The biggest being like the size of a big fat white maggot. 
No, the size of half, bigger than half of your pinky. Yeah, it's like Silence of the Lambs. And living and right in its where it's <laughs> where it's sinus. Okay, it's the place where your nasal cavity sinus intersects with like your uh, like your throat. Right. Yeah. Where the esophagus starts, basically. Yeah. Some, some, it's a bot fly that lays the egg on its nose and it goes up there and goes through all of its permutations in there and they are spilling out. Different colors, sizes. Some have legs, some have arms. I mean, it dirt, was... dirt myth. I'm down there. We're, we're down there leaning over, working on it in the dark with headlamps. Garrett Smith almost like he starts like he's going to vomit. <laughs> Dirt man? And I'm like, get away from me, man. I'm like, if you'd have thrown up on this deer, <laughs> it's like, buck up. Uh, nah, um, but yeah, the, the vaquero said every single coos deer they've ever seen killed has it. We killed Everyone. a Columbia blacktail in California that had it. Mm-hmm. Was it in the meat, too? Nope. Nope. Perfectly safe. Well, yeah, so you could eat the thing if you wanted to. Those things then fall out and go through a whole cycle in the ground. And then when they hatch out of the ground, it's a fly. And then, again, he lands on the deer's nose, drops the egg, the whole thing starts over again. Yep, doesn't, doesn't cause any kind of, uh, doesn't seem to cause any kind of infection in the animal. Doesn't seem to cause any kind of extreme discomfort. They've never, these guys down there have never seen one that didn't have it. The, one of this guy was telling us the vaqueros, or like the, the Mexican cowboys, have a sort of legend where that is what thinks. That's the part of the deer that thinks. Interesting. Hmm. And disgusting. Know. Yeah, and disgusting. We have that canine larva. Your your deer had that. The what's the canine parasite? I mean like puppies? <laughs> That's the parasites in your mule deer. Where in them? In the meat. <laughs> Steve's like, I didn't know about that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Those little I, yeah, those little yeah. dots. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it called? It's a canine parasite. Um, what do they say about that stuff? Because they, they find it in coyotes and wolves and stuff like that. So They say, that, can you catch anything from it? No. No, no not. You just uh, digest. You just digest. Not transferable, yeah. That's good, dude. Give me a heart attack, man. So <laughs> I would have to tell that missus about that. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something interesting. Yeah. So now... Um, we, yeah. Helen, what's your concluding thoughts? No, I had a question. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> I wanted to know <clears throat> if you guys had seen The Revenant. Nope. Yes. Real bad want to. Same. My Real bad. None of you guys have seen it? I saw it. So it was what unbelievable. I liked it. The, the, I thought the bear the, scene in particular the bear reminded scene me of Steve. very realistic. It is. Interesting. Because Steve had always said that he wanted to get swiped once. That would yeah, be like I his tattoo. Yeah, I want to get mildly mauled that- by a bear. And if he could, <laughs> if he could, I would like him to give me claw marks in a diagonal pattern starting at my shoulder down to my lower abdomen. Mm, like a tattoo, but yes. a scar too. Yes. That'd be pretty tough. I would. That's what I would like. If you whipped your shirt off and had something like that, I wouldn't be wearing one right now. <laughs> I I'd get. I'd get shirts made out of see-through material, man. Indeed. Would you be disappointed if you caught it like across the upper thigh? Yeah. 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 Better than nothing, but not what I would prefer. You have to wear short shorts. I would like it on my face. Now that I'm married, I'd like it on my face. It's not like I gotta like go out and meet ladies. Yeah, chicks would dig the Helen. 
So yeah, but no, I wouldn't, they wouldn't even need to. It's like, you, you know, it's like, like Tyson. Like, thing? Yeah, it's like big bear mall mark because I'm already married. Doesn't matter. Would you like. give up one of your eyes? No. For that? No. <laughs> Not that cool. pinky? Yes. For the scratch I'm talking about. Yeah, for the perfect yeah. scratch. Not just to have him bite off my pinky and then run off. <laughs> that just that just sucks. Because no one's going to see that and know yeah, what that's happened. that's right. That's Grizzly right. bear. Yeah. 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 Now, I had a... I think it was a yachting injury. Yeah. I had a, like a distant relative. Uh, I had a distant relative named... We called him Uncle Gunner, but it was later explained to me that he wasn't my uncle. He had a uh, stuffed monkey. And in his entryway, so we'd go there, and I remember his, his, his dude name was Gunner, and his wife's name was Tootie. And we'd go there, and she always would, like, make a ham with pineapple on it. And um, he had this entryway he'd go into before going into his house, like a little porch, and he had a stuffed monkey on a stick. And Uncle Gunner was missing a couple fingers. And it was always explained to us. You know like how people bullshit little kids with outlandish things? Yeah. But they don't think that, you know, they don't realize that the kids actually think it's true. <laughs> Uncle Gunner always told us he lost his fingers because that monkey bit him off. And they gave him the monkey. That's what he said. Like, later, <laughs> I, I grew up being like, it wasn't until my mom was like, my mom was like, that is not what happened to that man's <laughs> fingers. I don't know where he got that monkey. He lost his fingers to a lawnmower. <laughs> like, I have no idea what he told you or however, like, got to live this long in your head that that's what happened to Uncle Gunner's fingers. We've won multiple debates on that fact as an adult. <laughs> yeah, but in fact, monkeys do bite fingers off because my, and I saw the monkey. I know a guy. Sir, we apologize for the monkey being vicious. You may take it home. Yeah. Uh, All right, so concluding thoughts, Helen? That was it. I just want to know if you watched The Revenant. That's not even like a thought. What's my only thought right now? Oh. Cal? Oh, have your concluding thought be about some exciting new products we can see coming <laughs> off the first light. Wow. Uh, I'm just, I'm super excited at what we have going on. If people don't buy a single thing, this is our best year of product. I mean, it's amazing stuff, so... Um, I'm going to be very comfortable. I like those new mittens a whole bunch. Yeah, we that was. I, I had a lot of very soul original thoughts on that product. It's really come along. No, <laughs> Steve and Giannis and Kenton and Ben and everybody has put a lot of work into into these mittens in there. You know what else yeah. I'm like, and I haven't got a chance to wear it is the 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 balaclava that has the. I've call this. What's that stuff inside shit there? Shit out of that thing. Surely. Shearling. Shearling? My God, that's so nice. It is. And you can still hear out of it. It doesn't. It, it, that's what's great about that. It's a high that. level. Yeah, that's what's great about that is you can hear through it. Yep. I'd like to have some panties made out of that stuff, man. <laughs> Interesting. Line of that stuff. Interesting. We'll run we, that by the We board. tested the, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the new lightweight puffy. That is the Cirrus. The Cirrus. Yeah, yeah we yeah. used that a lot last week in, in Mexico, and it was cold. We were layering it under our Uncompagres, and uh, it was a nice piece. It good. Well, yeah. Good good layering piece. You know, in the Rockies, at least where we are, it doesn't rain a ton, and usually, at least early elk season, it doesn't get too cold. So, you know, it's nice to be able to have some light stuff that's going to go in your pack if you goofed up on the weather call. You know, you wake up in the morning and it's like, 
even if you can see the stars, it doesn't it can rain or it can, you know it can temperature yeah. can change, and nothing worse than just saying oh, I'm going light because I don't want to you know fill up my put stuff in my backpack and then freezing your ass off you know so it definitely provides you with quite a bit of of uh, you know no matter what the weather does you should be pretty good for only a pound and a half between that and the uh, and the shell the yeah you could, shell. you could stuff that thing in your back pocket. Totally. Uh-huh. So it's a, yeah. that might be an exaggeration. You stuff it in. What was the one you showed pocket. me yesterday? Yeah. For cert- that I should get for sort of casting. Was that the oh, one that he no, has? That's the heavy duty one. Then we also make like a, a one that's a three and a half layer, just full on, like as as burly of a waterproof breathable as you can get. You know, if it's going to rain too much for that, you pretty much need to wear a rubber, you know, fishing style suit. But um, full you discretion know. on that. Giannis Patelis came up with the winning name. It's called oh. the Yanni. The Yanni, yeah. <laughs> it's got a man with long hair and mustache playing the piano. Call it the Seek, which is an acronym for Southeast Alaska. I like that. Yeah. And you guys have gotten to wear that, right? Uh, yeah, I wore it in um, British Columbia this year where it rained more than it did not rain on that trip, and uh, it performed well. Nice. I I'm, can't remember what Giannis won for getting the winning name. He hasn't been paid. I think a pair of socks or something showed up in the mail. <laughs> that or a Porsche. <laughs> Yanni, what are your concluding thoughts? Give us an update on give us an update on Hunt Eat T shirts. Oh man. I know um, some people were heckling Yanni last night about a Nevada one. Yeah. Or Utah. Yeah, everybody if I can touch on that for just a second, everybody likes to write into us and see me and say how come there's no Kentucky Hunt to eat shirt? I'm like, well, because you're like the third person that's requested it. So if he you likes can, ten requests. If you can write, yeah, gather up some of your buddies. We're not asking for a couple hundred, but even like ten to twenty, you know, and that that would really bring your bring your state to the higher, you know, uh, higher standing where you know it'll be next in line. But uh, I think last time I said we had Pennsylvania and Alaska. California just came out. California's shirt is way sweet. Looks like their flag says Hunt to Eat. It's got a pig on it. Looks Do you think cool. you'll eventually have all states? Oh, that's what I have in my mind right now. It's like, the, <laughs> like one of the old, old flags. It's got like six stars in a circle on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, no, remember that no, sports, remember Sportsman's Guide? how the sportsman's guide catalog like back in the 80s and stuff or 90s it'd just be pages and pages of t-shirts it'd be like teach like happiness is a warm gut pile and it'd be like a indian on a horse holding up a compound bow and it's like what if and then it was all those <laughs> it was like all those shirts of like wolves howling and just like pages and pages and pages like your shirt with like an outhouse on it, an outhouse joke on it your catalog is going to be like that when you got all 50 states. I hope so. We're doing your new home state next. And then, really? Ten people, then, asked, ten people from Washington asked for Yeah, And then our, uh, our uh, home state after that, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want... Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't going to drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better. Because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right in your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20 plus years. Deck is a game changer. There's no more like leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You just need two more requests. You'll be there. We have, we have eight so far from New York. I wouldn't do it now that we know, um, now, now that Ted Cruz has informed us that uh, Helen has horrible, um, what do you guys have over there? What? You guys have bad. Oh, you guys have real bad values. Did oh, you know that? yeah. Do you have real yeah, bad values? Clearly. Yeah. Cho, you bastard. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea until I heard. I had no idea until I heard from Ted Cruz. You got I New York, New York BFF. values. I had no idea Helen was so un-American, you know, depraved. <laughs> uh, I think that all she thinks about, if I'm not mistaken, is you think about fashion in the media, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I think about. <laughs> what do you think, Helen? Show. <laughs> Yeah, especially think of your father out there just like delivering the mail and he's like, fashion, media, fashion, yeah. fashion yeah. media. Or like dudes like digging through the rubble of the World Trade Center, fashion, media, <laughs> fashion, media. It's like, give me a break, man. Uh, yeah, that's my concluding thought, Ken. <laughs> my concluding thought is Helen's horrible. I just found out. 
Yeah. And in fact, some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life are also awful, and I had no idea that they have a bad that they have a bad value system. I was never based on where their work put them, and they're going to seize Central Park. (laughs) Taking it back. Taking it back. Bear bear meat is yummy, and you just have to make sure you don't eat it undercooked. I I don't want to give it a bad rap because people might hear this or hear a little excerpt and freak out and think that you know. No, no, no. People don't listen to just little bits. They listen to the whole thing. They know that bear, nothing wrong with bear. All right. I like bear. Bear's good. I might have eaten, no, I guess I didn't eat the trichinosis bear. When you, we made the, you made the bear ham, smoked bear ham. You probably had it. It just wasn't tested. Great. I did have, one, te- I did have one test negative one time. I forgot about that. All right, so this is part one. Here, here's the deal. This is a longer one than normal because this is this is part one of 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 a two part shot show podcast. So this is going to segue now. Just keep listening here, and things are going to change. It's going to get real noisy with all kinds of background noise. And it's going to be a part two where we sit down and talk to some gun guys. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome to the Meat Eater Podcast. We're in uh, Las Vegas. Nevada. This is the first time we've ever done one of these anywhere near this many people. You can kind of hear a bunch of background noise. Now we're at something called SHOT. The SHOT, you guys even know what SHOT stands for? Shooting, hunting, and outdoor trade show. Oh, I knew it must stand. Yeah, I've been here a number of times and I never picked up what it exactly stands for. But it's like, if they, when I, when I was a little kid, we always had this dream that uh, everyone that lived on the lake I grew up on, would all go away on vacation, and we would drain the lake and be able to go out there and see what was in the lake. I have a similar dream about SHOT Show where I could have a private day where no one would be allowed in, and I could just quietly stalk the aisles of SHOT Show because it's so much stuff goes on here, you cannot take it all in. It's just, there's, it's everything you've ever heard of or thought about in terms of uh, the hunting and shooting sports, all in one place, you, it's impossible to me, it seems, to kind of like focus in on any single specific thing because there's just so much stuff going on. You can really find out sort of the state of the world by coming down here. This is my third time, but I'm here with a couple guys from Vista Outdoors. We have Bill Dermody who, okay, you want to just, Bill, ex- explain yourself, <laughs> what you do and everything like that. Justify my existence. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the marketing director for Savage Arms and Stevens. So basically within Vista, the, the firearms product and the, and the marketing revolving around that product. I'm Explain Vista. So Vista, am I allowed to talk? Of course you <laughs> so, are. So uh, yeah, Vista Outdoor is just, um, you know, it's it's a it's an organization that the consumer doesn't really hear about. It's our parent company. I got you. But all these, if you look around here, all these great brands, we really are one of the largest outdoor companies there is so from savage firearms federal premium cci rcbs blackhawk all these great outdoor brands and even some that aren't here at the shot show we're just we're just a big piece of this show here and really um you know from a standpoint of of me working on the gun portion of this it's it's a real treat for me because not only do i have a a, not only do i have the firearms line everything that goes on in or around a gun is within his arm's reach for me now. And then you've been, you've come to Shasha how many times now? Uh, my first one was 1997, so, yeah. 
did you come into uh, did you come into working in firearms too? Like, what, what's your background growing up? I mean, did you grow up around shooting? Actually, I became a shooter as an adult. I I became I was uh, a Boy Scout when I started shooting. I grew up in a family where there were, there were no guns in the home, and I was, I'm the first generation shooter in in my home. and And I learned how to shoot at Boy Scout camp up in New Hampshire, and and came home from scant camp and wanted to buy a gun, and my parents didn't, so they didn't allow it. So I didn't buy my first firearm until I was in college. And now look at me, I've been in the industry. This is the third different gun company, per se, that I've worked for. I've kind of been typecast. I'm stuck now. I can't, I can't go do anything else. And my parents now have been converted. They're life members of the NRA and then gun owners and shooters. And it's just, you know, life takes its neat twists and turns. But, it, you know, think about all the other shows that happen in, this, in Las Vegas. And where would you rather be? I mean, it beats the heck out of the consumer appliance show or whatever they're doing across town, right? Yeah, for sure. I could be talking about dishwashers and toasters all week, and uh, you know, this is where it's at. This is where the action is. Uh, a good buddy of mine is over at the home builders thing going on right now, and he's really itching to try to find his way into this spot. Now, uh, Jason, g- g- give us your lowdown, man. I'm Jason Nash. I'm the marketing director for our ammunition brand. So the most commonly known federal premium, CCI, Spear, uh, we've got a number of different brands under our umbrella, and it's really exciting. to. This will be my 13th. This is my 13th SHOT Show, and I have to remind myself every year how lucky we are. And it doesn't take long to walk down the halls to realize how lucky we truly are to, to be involved in such a passionate industry. You know, for me, it, it, it all started with grouse hunting with my dad and, uh, you know, getting out in the northern woods of Minnesota and chasing around these birds that were really hard to hit but uh, challenged you and, and really were exciting. Um, so being part of that is, like you said, it, it's a dream. Did you, uh, when you were growing up, did you think about how you wanted to stay in the, you know, around hunting products and hunting equipment and that kind of stuff? No, I just wanted to hunt. Yeah. Quite honest, I just wanted to get out and, and enjoy the outdoors, be outside, and uh, spend time with friends and family. I didn't really think about it as a career. In fact, I didn't think it was probably an option. So the fact that, that I was able to get into this industry and, and make a good career out of it has been fantastic. Yeah, when I was a kid, like all the guys that wanted to hunt and fish all the time, we didn't know about occupations. You know, like little kids always want to be firemen. We all wanted to be game wardens. Or I wanted to be a mountain man. Um, <laughs> but then they told me I was late for that. So everybody was like, yeah, I'll be a game warden. I'll be a, uh, you know, like we want to be like a wildlife biologist. Everybody's always like struggling to try to find somebody to be in the outdoors. And then guys I know now that have done that and grown up and have, like, you know, found, like, a livelihood in the outdoor industry, um, very few of them would have been able to even, they wouldn't have known what they were doing existed at the time, you know? Oh, yeah. So let's jump into, now, I have, over the years, I've been hunting all fall with a Savage Rifle, and I've owned Savage Rifles going way back, and, and uh, from, I used, to, I used to be a fur trapper. And I had one of the, uh, what I thought was a very early form of the old twenty two twenty gauge over under that had the trap door. I don't even know if they still had them like that. They had that aluminum plate. Model 24? Was it, it had like an aluminum plate. You could slide uh, a bunch of twenty two shells and a couple of 20 gauge shotgun shells into the stock with an aluminum plate on there. Yeah, we always had that. And then had a lot of like growing up, always had Stevens shotguns. And then I bought my first Savage, like my first new Savage rifle in, I think, 2009. And it was, like, I grew up, uh, my dad started me out shooting right-handed. I was always weirdly ambidextrous as a kid. And 
he eventually realized I had a dominant left eye. Like, if you're ever curious, like, if you have a dominant right eye or a dominant left eye, yeah, just act like you're doing a one-eye aim with your thumb. Like, so pick some object, and you're going to aim your thumb at it. Um, you'll find a lot of guys that shoot right-handed when you do that test. They'll wind up closing their right eye and wanting to look left-eyed. And my old man did that with me and realized I was left-handed. So I had to relearn how to shoot a bow, relearn how to shoot a gun, all left-handed. But I did it all with right-handed stuff because I never had anything that wasn't a hand-me-down firearm until I was in my 30s. I didn't own a, a left-handed rifle until I was in my 30s. And when I did buy a left-handed rifle, I bought a, a Savage Weather Warrior rifle. And I would shoot and immediately drop down, throw the rifle into my other hand and try to work the bolt with wow. my right hand. I had to totally relearn you know, on a left-handed firearm. Over the years, I've owned, you know, I've owned and shot so many different guns, and I've had, and I have and do own a handful of, uh, like, very high-end custom rifles that I would never really be in a situation to buy um, if I didn't, you know, work kind of the work I do and get stuff the way I get it. And so oftentimes, guys are like, we'll talk about hunting, and they'll be like, yeah, but your gun's $5,000, $6,000. And I always want to be like, yeah, it is, but it doesn't, it's just, that's the way I have it. And it's that I found so cool about hunting with savage rifles and shooting with them is the fact that people can afford it, right? It's a good gun you can buy. And out of the box, they just shoot in a way I can't explain. Maybe you got, it's like, we've now messed around, like just in recent months, me and Giannis who's sitting here off real quiet, we've messed around, how many have we shot? Like out of the box, five or six? Oh, maybe ten. Big game rifles yeah. out of the box, shooting the box rifle, with the box ammo and just shooting tight-ass groups. I mean, shooting, like, sub-MOA groups out of the box, and it's just nothing else I found is like that. I was talking to a buddy of mine who works in the firearms industry, and he was saying, yeah, the reason that a lot of the custom guys get pissed at Savage is because Savage Rifles just do what they want to do, what they're trying to do, but they do it for a tenth of, of the money, you know? You know, it's really interesting you say that. That's what we're known for is that lights-out accuracy, and, it, and it's just that's, that's our trademark. And it's interesting you say that about gunsmiths because when we're looking to innovate and we're looking to come up with things like the AccuTrigger and, and things that have really put us on the map like that, we've never looked to our competitors for inspiration on what to do next. We, we look to gunsmiths. What, what is a gunsmith doing to a rifle to make it more accurate, to make it fit better, to make it, you know, make it perform better? And then how can we do that on a factory basis? I mean, we can't glass bed an action, so we came up with the AccuStock which is more of a drop-in solution to, to glass bedding. And, and same thing, just, you know, long ago, triggers were horrible. They were, they were heavy, and, and, and because the lawyers kind of won out at every gun company, right? you got to have a heavy trigger to be safe. So we came out with a gun with a trigger job that was safe. And so really, th- those guys, as mad as they are with us, they're our inspiration, you know, because everything they do is because a gun isn't performing the way it should. So, if, so if, if a gunsmith can make it happen once, we can make it happen hundreds of thousands of times if we're creative, we figure it out and figure out how to make a factory gun shoot like a custom gun. And I'm sure there's a lot of people here that have had, that, that can share the same experience you've had. I mean, just a, where they shot alongside a buddy that had a multi-thousand dollar expensive gun and just hung right with them, shooting them group for group right with the expensive gun. The guns just shoot. I've, there's a gun writer that I've always admired a lot, um, Chuck Hawks, and he and he was got one of the first guys I started reading about that was really always celebrating, like you know, just the 
unrivaled accuracy of coming out of the box with it. And what I've liked about it is I, a lot of people come to me and they're, you know, they'll ask me, like, what do I need to do to shoot this and shoot that kind of groups? And um, in a way, I almost feel silly for in the last, you know, the recent years, how much time I spent messing with the hand loads and messing with guns. And, and I enjoy that kind of stuff, but it is, like, refreshing to be able to have something you just go out and tell people is, like, going to work, you know, flat out of the box. Um, when you, can you explain, like, explain two things. Explain what an accu trigger is, because I think that that's something that's not well understood. And when he, when he talks about a heavy trigger and light trigger, like a lot of things, you'll buy a, a, a new rifle and it might have, it might take like five pounds or seven pounds or even on some things like a nine pound trigger pull. It means you have to apply obviously like nine pounds of pressure to get the thing to go bang and you lose all kinds of accuracy by exerting that amount of force on it because you're manipulating, you're, you know, you're moving the gun sideways when you do it. So explain what that, how, how that thing works, because that's kind of something I find that like a lot of guys who aren't familiar with it We'll look at it and they'll be like, what the hell is that? Yeah, why does that matter? Yeah, so the trigger really addresses the weakest link in a firearm, which is the shooter, right? We could do everything we can think of that make the rifle more accurate, but if the shooter can't tap into the, the mechanical accuracy of the firearm, it's no good. And it's like exactly what you said. If you have a, a heavy trigger, anybody can line up the crosshair on something, but how do you, how do you fire that gun without disrupting that crosshair and it, it takes a light trigger to be able to do that be able to fire it without disrupting your crosshair well how do you do that while being safe so if you look at an accu trigger it's got a regular trigger and it's got a little blade in the middle of the trigger that we call the an accu release and that that blocks the trigger and the best way to explain it especially you know in audio where i can't make gestures with my hands or anything but if you've ever fired a single action revolver you know there's a half cock position and then there's a full cock position you can fire that gun from the full cock position um and if you have that gun cocked and, and, and you drop it, it'll fall to half cock, right? So we have internally within an accu trigger that that blade blocks the trigger from accidentally discharging. So in order to have that light trigger, we have very minimal trigger and sear engagement to make that trigger light. But if you were to drop that gun, a loaded gun, hard enough, yet you would hear a click. And that's the accu trigger falling to half cock. It's not, you know, on a, on a lesser gun, you're going to hear a bang instead of a click. So it, it still has that light trigger sear engagement, and it still sears off if it's treated harshly when it's cocked, but it, it, it adds the safety into the system. So the science of a lighter, crisper trigger is, is, is old science. The, the safety aspect of it catching itself and, and clicking instead of banging, that's the, that's the essence of the accu trigger, and that allows the shooter to tap into all that mechanical accuracy in the rifle. You know, that, that Aggie Trigger deal is one of the things that first drew me to it is because when we're out filming, we got a lot of activity going on around you on a hunt. You know, we got like, you got camera guys and there's people moving around. It's, hard. it's like if you and your buddy are out, you kind of always know where everybody is, you know. But in that kind of situation, it's you know, like safety is always in my mind because you just, it's just like harder to control. And I like that, just that extra element, you know, of... Uh, I just feel better about it. In those moments when you are re- ready to fire, you just like an extra level of control, and, and it just it's comforting to me, you know. And once you get used to that, I don't have any problem with it. So I want, I want to go back to uh, Mr. Nash here. Can you uh, talk a little bit about how you guys handle the ammunition end of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and just like Bill talks about all the, the technology that goes into building a gun and building a better trigger, we've got a team of people back at the factory who are constantly looking to innovate ammunition and and give people more confidence when they're in the field you know sometimes ammunition is is kind of a last minute purchase decision oh, I'm, I'm going hunting I, I forgot I got to pick up some ammo but 
to have true success, you, you really need to think about the one thing that's going to touch the animal out of your gun, and, that, and that's the bullet. I mean, it, with, with all the hunting that you've done, uh, you know how important it is that, because you're not always going to have a perfect shot. The animal may turn. Um, it may start walking from being in a, in a still position. So having a bullet that's built strong enough to, to withstand um, bone, heavy tissue, uh, not a perfect angle, uh, th- that's what we're, we really focus on. And then, of course, putting it where you aim it, which is a combination of the right gun, uh, the right preparation, and, and the right bullet. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up, man, because I find that a conversation I'm always having with people is people are always talking about like, like all the best-case scenarios, you know? And having been able to do quite a lot of big game hunting, I find that... Uh, the best case scenarios don't happen quite as often as you'd like. And I think that people need to be better about when, when they're trying to select ammunition, talk about what caliber they're going to use, what types of distances they're comfortable shooting. Is stop thinking about all these like perfect broadside right behind the shoulder situations and start asking yourself, well, what's going to happen when things don't go exactly as I plan? And am I tooled up and fitted up for, for those kind of things, you know? I think it's like super easy. Yeah, if you can, if everything's perfect and you hit everything just right, sure, you could, you know, you could be hunting big game with a, you know, subpar stuff. But it's those things when things go south and go bad, which happens just a lot, man. And I'm always trying to advocate to people to to, to plan on that and and you know stick with adequate calibers, stick with good ammunition, practice a lot of restraint on shots you're going to take because you think you're going to make, and always factor in like when things are going to go bad. Do you guys find, like, when you're building ammo, do you somehow tailor your ammo to your own brand of rifles? Do you know what I mean? Like, when you're building, you build the, the, the federal premium stuff thinking, like, this stuff's going to shoot great out of a Savage rifle. Is that something you think about? Well, it, as closely as we work with Savage, and we've had a couple of recent innovations, I mean, from the Savage side, and we've partnered with them uh, on the A-17 um, and, and some other guns that where we can truly custom fit to work perfectly out of that platform. So that's a great advantage of being part of the same, you know, family of brands. Yeah, the A17. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But but we also want to make sure that if people happen to be crazy and not shoot a savage, um, we <laughs> it's not the whole market. It's not. It's not the whole market. Yeah. So so we got to make sure that we take all the most popular gun platforms out there and test our products in those platforms also so that we know that we've got the best quality product out there that's going to perform no matter what platform you choose but yeah having these guys part of the the same family has been great because we can look forward and say all right how can we better meet the needs of of hunters and shooters uh going ahead and and how can we partner on that you know i want to ask you one uh last quick thing here are the you know like is the ammo shortage thing like is it done now kind of in your guys mind well i mean or like what was it (laughs) Well, obviously, you know, rimfire is a question we get asked about a lot, right? And um, it, it's a popular caliber for people getting started in the sport. There are more and more great platforms out there uh, to shoot from. Um, and, and when you think about it, it used to be that you could only shoot maybe 10 rounds uh, out of a clip. Now there are clips out there that hold 30, 50. There are different uh, AR-style platforms available for 22s. And, and let's face it, it's fun to shoot, right? For a new shooter, it, it's not intimidating because there's not a lot of recoil. Um, and so there's a combination of factors. It's, it's popularity. It's more people coming into the sport. And um, there's also some people that are stuffing it in their basements. We know that, too. 
you know, in a way, it became a self-perpetuating thing because I always just took for granted. Like, like I think of the real shortage of 22 shells that was going on, it felt like. Let me back up because I always took for granted when you just wanted some, you bought them, right? So right. you'd buy 50 of them or buy a thing of them. And then one day someone's like, oh, you know, there's, it's hard to find. It prompted me to start doing the, like, making the problem worse by responding to that, by, pro- like, by getting it, you know? Yeah. So when people say, like, oh, it's limited to two boxes and I only wanted one, I'd be like, oh, I better buy two. So pretty soon I had massive amounts of the stuff laying around because it was just like this self-feeding thing, you know, where I think that in some ways that kind of prompted along. But you guys had to get just pounded with questions about stuff like that. We did, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough because you want to have demand for your product, but you also don't want people to, to be dissatisfied because they can't get it. So, we, you know, we are 100% committed to building more product, Federal and CCI are, are kicking out more rimfire product than we ever have, and, and uh, we're confident that it, it's going to be more readily available, and I think we're seeing that already. Um, so, but it's been an interesting time. All right, man. Does anybody, have, uh, who, who's, has anybody got a question that would be, uh, they want to ask right now? Anyone? If not, we've got a bunch of people have come in on uh, like social media with questions. I thought I'd stick some to you guys. Yanni, what one you would like in any of Have you seen the question? No. Pick some out. Has anybody got anything? Go ahead. Are you seeing an increase in uh, like six millimeter, six and a half millimeter type of uh, requirements for factory produce, like 6.5 Yeah, re- restate the question too, if you would. What's, that's a gun and an ammo question, right? Yeah, so he, he asked about the uh, popularity of six millimeter and 6.5. and. Yeah, we're seeing that absolutely, and, and we've actually introduced a couple new loads in our American Eagle product line uh, in Federal. So we're, we're excited to expand it to meet the demand of that platform. It's a very accurate um, caliber, and, and we're, we're excited to offer more options. You know, one that someone wrote in that I've heard that I, I've struggled with because I don't fully understand it is when it comes to, like, when you get a brand-new rifle out of the box, everybody's got a different theory about the break-in process and the cleaning process like some guys be like shoot it once clean it shoot it twice clean it shoot it three times clean it until you're up to 10 times some guys are like i shoot it i clean it never clean it again i mean all these different versions on it and you're making game time decisions just by like putting a patch in there and seeing what it looks at what's your recommendation on someone with a brand new thing out of the box like he takes it out of the box what should be his regimen and then on top of that once that break-in process is through, however you define the end of it, what is your recommendation on, on like cleaning the bore? It's funny. I got a guy right here in the booth. His name is Stan Pate. He's a, he competes in F-Class, which is a 1,000-yard competition, multiple-time national champion, world champion, F-Class shooter. And I was, I was standing alongside him one year at the NRA show, and somebody asked him that exact same question. And his answer was, I just take him out and shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll get better accuracy out of a clean bore than you will out of a dirty bore but as far as what prep it needs to achieve that maximum accuracy it we just really haven't seen anything definitive that shows us that any process one or the other has any effect on the long-term accuracy of that product the way it's broken in just that the you know after it's broken in however it's broken in clean gun's going to shoot better than a dirty gun yeah i've got guys uh who you know say they, they clean every twenty rounds? The guys say they clean every thousand. You're tipping more in the other, the tipping in the latter direction. I mean that's an extreme, but yeah. I hate cleaning guns. 
So, and I'm, I'm not a good enough shooter. The, the, the difference between clean board, dirty board really affects me that much because you have to have the ability to tap into that extra bit of accuracy. But, yeah, it, it, you know, it really depends on the, you know, if copper fouling is an issue, and copper fouling does contribute to, to opening up the group. So, and that's different by load, right? If you're shooting really hot, really fast, it's going to foul more, where some of these lower-pressure cartridges, they don't foul as much. So I think you just need to kind of work out your process and, and monitor your own accuracy. And, but for me personally, I'm not cleaning any more than I have to. Here's another we get a lot from, from people is a uh, guy wondered about, someone just mentioned copper fouling. Guy wondered about, you know, copper versus lead ammo. So what, I, what I've done in my own personal hunting is I've tended to use, like, you know, what you call non-toxic or, or solid monolithic stuff in places where, like in California, where you have the condo recovery area. I've used it there. But I find that more and more guys, like a lot of guys just who are looking for just performance and ballistics, you know, are going now and, and shooting copper. How much do you see, like, when you look at the, the whole realm of people buying ammo, how much do you see that transition happening? And how much is it just because I hang out with guys who kind of obsess about this stuff a lot? Well, we definitely are seeing more popularity. We, we've added Trophy Copper to our premium line of products. And uh, introduced here at the SHOT Show, we've got a new one, Power Shot Copper. That's more of a, a mid-priced uh, copper bullet for those who want to shoot it. Um, you know, what we've always been about is offering as many options for people as possible. For those who want to shoot or have to shoot uh, certain types of bullet construction, we have that capability. Um, and others who, who are tried and true lead bullet guys can shoot those too. And, and the key for us is we, we push weight retention on bullets. So when, when you're hunting, you're shooting big game. Fusion is our, our deer hunting ammunition that's got, it's a bonded process, uh, fused jacket to the core that holds together really well. So you don't get a lot of fragmentation. Um, so we're, again, technologically advanced ammunition and options for everybody. And copper bullets shoot really well, too. I mean, we, you can get some great accuracy out of them. But, but uh, uh, do you find that that's like a fast-growing segment? It, it is gaining popularity. Yeah. Um, we've, we've seen some good acceptance of our trophy copper line, but yeah, there's always going to be a market for for the lead core bullets also. Yeah, I think in some ways, like, a lot of that comes with what you're familiar with. And, um, yeah, man, I just like, you know, like, like a, a, the bonded lead stuff, I just have always just trusted it and used it, just had great results hunting with it, you know. Um, what else you got? Any more good ones? How are we on time, man? We're, we're getting kind of over time. No, we still got 30 minutes. Oh, no, not for this portion. Oh. Um, I like the budget versus... Uh, match grade or hunting loads if they want to touch on that yeah so here's the guys like can you discuss the round-to-round performance of practice or budget ammo versus match grade or hunting loads you want to take that one on well as bill can attest to and a lot of people obviously it depends on the gun you know different guns like different bullet styles different grain weights so we always encourage people to try a number of different bullets and a number of different products and see what works best. But, um, you know, we, we pride ourselves on making quality ammunition, no matter the price point, but you get better features. It's like a, buying a luxury vehicle. You get leather seats, you get a moonroof, you get heated seats if you're, if you're in the north. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's really, a, you get what you pay for, and what you pay for with 
top quality premium ammunition is better accuracy, more stringent quality control, and then you also get uh, features like on our trophy bonded tip product, you get a boat tail that, and, a, and a tip that increase the, um, the ballistic performance of it, and you also get weight retention, so that if you do happen to hit the shoulder bone when you're trying to, to hit the, the vitals right behind it, it's going to pass through and it's going to hit the vitals. So you, what you don't want to have happen is, uh, you, you know, if you're shooting a trophy of a lifetime, buy a cheaper ammo and, and have it fail on you. Just to kind of pile on to what Jason said, I mean, here I'm the gun guy. I'll tell you straight up. Don't put crap ammo in your Savage rifle. You, you will not be impressed. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, from a marketing standpoint, we want to trouble with that because everywhere we go, we say accuracy, 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 and we talk about the one shot, one kill and all that. And then every once in a while, not a lot, every once in a while, someone will send a gun back and say, this gun isn't accurate. It's not grouping well. And, you know, say they send in a 308. I know the, I know the load they're going to test that customer's rifle with. I know they're going to shoot a 168-grain federal gold medal to see if that's an accurate rifle. And our service department will shoot it. And they'll send a gun back to the guy with a target and go, y- you got an MOA gun here. It shot .8, you know. And then... And the guy said, well, I want to shoot like that with the crap ammo. Yeah. That's <laughs> just not the way it works, you know. And I'll tell you, as a gun guy, you know, if you, you will not be satisfied with your rifle if you, if you don't put good quality ammo in it um, from an accuracy standpoint and also from a, just a terminal standpoint. I've never killed a single deer with a rifle. I've killed everyone with a bullet, yeah. right? So think of all the expense you go through, uh, hunting licenses and travel and all that, you know, and the least expensive part of your trip is going to determine your success or failure of that trip just as much as the expensive part. So, you know, don't, don't spend all that money on a Savage and a nice scope and all that. And then, you know, practice with the cheaper ammo, fine. But, you know, don't, you know, and I don't, I'm not a ballistician. I, you, know, I, 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 you know, all those deer I killed and, and what would have happened if I'd have shot cheaper ammo at them? I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to leave that to chance. I personally inject enough variables into that equation through my own lack of skill, that <laughs> yeah. I just want to cross that off the list and not worry about it. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, mate, because like all, all the shooting I do, and some ways I'm a recreational shooter, but all the shooting I do is basically like inspired by the fact that I'm going hunting. You know? So I'm like, I, I spend a lot of time at the range, but I'm like experimenting with things, seeing how things work. I'm never looking for just to buy some case of subgrade dirty stuff that I can run through my things, because to me that's not adding to my knowledge of my tool you know it's not adding my knowledge of what i'm capable of doing but i do think a good thing for guys who are trying to mess around with the rifle and find out is my rifle up to the job or not is it accurate or not you got to shoot a handful of things just try a couple different things from a company you trust and 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 see because there can be a radical difference even right down to shooting 22s just different weights you know you might try like a 36 grain 38 grain different muzzle velocities and you'll get huge differences some guns it's it's idiosyncratic some guns just shoot th- some things better than others. And you really, without trying three or four different things, just small differences, I mean, like, you know, bullet weight, stuff like that, you really have no idea what your thing's capable of. Because I've seen groups shrink out from three-inch groups down to one-inch groups just by going from one box ammo to another box ammo. And it's something I think a lot of guys overlook, where they just, like, buy some stuff at the store, have no idea what they're doing, go out and shoot. It's like, this thing don't shoot. You don't know. You don't know until you get in there. All right, uh, Yanni, concluding thought? I could add to that a little bit. You know, preparing for our hunt last week, we went down to Mexico to hunt coos deer, and uh, I was shooting a 110 and a 270, and you guys sent me, I think, uh, 
your ballistic tips, um, the nozzle ballistic tips, the um, the trophy bonded, and the uh, Sierra the, Game the, King. Yeah, the Game King or bonded bear claw. The Sierra Game King, Game King. Sierra Game King. Yeah, all three of them shot like right at an inch. But the trophy bonded shot like three quarters, you know, and that was three three groups of each, you know. So I was like, "Wow, this is great," you know. Yeah. And I really got to test it all, which was which was awesome. But um, yeah, that's my concluding thought on it. On my, the last question for you that I saw on there that I think everybody would like to know is if you could just hunt with one rifle right now, what would it be, or one caliber? Yeah, I get asked that all the time, man. It's such a hard question to answer. Um, Right now, I've been doing a lot of hunting with a, with a, with a 270. So the, the Savage Weather Warrior and the 270, Model 116. It's just, I don't know, man. It's so much that it comes down to it's like what you know and what you're familiar with. And it's just something that I just have shot a lot, and, and I just know it, and, and I'm comfortable with it. Um, I think that this is fueled large measure by gun writers and other people. I think there's so much noise out there where people are arguing uh, about the supremacy of, of, of different calibers that for real-world hunting applications are almost indistinguishable, different attributes of them. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I realize now I'm kind of like a, you know, like I'm an old curmudgeon guy to still have a 270 and not, have not ventured out. I own many calibers, but just like something I almost like because I feel like it's like, uh, you know... It's like having a it's like having a campfire. It's just this old comfortable thing that I know well, and I have great luck with it, man. If I but if I had to own one, if I could just like hunt because I hunt a wide variety of things, everything from moose down to javelina. I, I would probably be, if I just had to have one for real, it'd probably be like a you know something in in the line of a three hundred win mag, just something be like kind of a little bit heavy, you know, a little bit heavy for some applications maybe a tad in some people's minds, tad light for other applications, but that would be my one sweet spot thing. Right now, like my hunting arsenal is my 270, and then with that, I shoot, you know, 130, 150 grain bullets. Then I have a, a 30 caliber rifle that I got that I can shoot 180s and 200 grain bullets for big Alaska stuff, and I feel pretty covered. Concluding thoughts? It's a nice quiver. <laughs> I mean, 270 has been proven for, for years, and, and it speaks again to the quality of the bullet. If you're shooting a trophy-bonded tip, a nozzle partition, a fusion, and you put the shot in the right spot, it's going to do the job. And I, I like 272. I've got a 270 short mag, and, of course, the, the .30-06 is also a favorite, you know, where I'm from and where everybody's from. Yeah, when you say I was a favorite, you're from. What, like, I grew up in Michigan. It would be that there was a day... And I was very young when it happened, when everybody had a 30-30. It was like, it was like oh, yeah, it's a brush gun. And it was like one day you woke up and everybody in the world shot a 30-06. You know, it was just like this thing that happened overnight. Giannis is still... Yeah, I shoot a 30-06 a lot. Yeah, but it was just like this. I, there's so much regionality to it. And you talk to other guys. You, I got friends who you know, brought up in other states. Never touched it. It's just like you have like your region and the guys in your region kind of like spread these little things. I think where that's all that, you know, misinformation and just like ancestral stuff comes from where you just like have these ideas that you're familiar with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bill, you got some concluding thoughts? Yeah, I think for me personally, just especially when hunting, it just comes down to putting in the time on preparation. 
you know, like you said, it's what you're comfortable with. Well, you're not going to be comfortable with something you don't spend time with. So spend some time on the range with your rifle. Spend some time shooting different loads of ammunition so you know you're confident that the, that the particular load that you've selected is the one that's going to perform. Be comfortable with your optic. Be comfortable with all your gear. For me, I'm just, maybe I'm just too simple-minded. I can't think about all that stuff when I got you know, an animal in front of me. I just, I just want all that stuff off the list. I don't want to worry about it, and I don't worry about it when I put the time in. Yeah, man, that's a good point, and it's something that uh, I find myself kind of pounding my head about is there's so many guys out there, you know, you might just hunt like a couple days a year, and I feel like even if that's the case, like if that's all your schedule has to allow, you need to spend more time with your equipment. I think it's like you have an obligation to yourself, you have an obligation to others, you have an obligation to the animal just to get to understand what it is that's going on, how the stuff works. It's an investment, man. And even for the two-day-a-year hunter, you got to have, I think you almost got to have like an annual or, or like a, you know, a year-round approach to thinking about your kit and thinking about your gear and thinking about what you're going to do. All right, with that, we're going to wrap up this part. Um, Meet Eater Podcast, tune in next time. Like I said, we're coming at it from SHOT Show. Not open to the public. So I can't just say come. You gotta be. You gotta find a way to finagle your way in uh, through some kind of industry. Did we just thing. encourage that? <laughs> oh, no, of course not. These guys. That's coming from me. Find a way to finagle <laughs> your way in and come and see what's going on in the the outdoor hunting and, and, and shooting worlds. All right. Till next time. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.